Welcome to the RBC Pulpit Podcast. Today, Pastor Rusty brings us a message from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 on food sacrifice to idols. This helps us understand how to address gray areas within our Christian walk, as most of us don't deal with food sacrifice to idols today. However, we might deal with things like eating donuts inside the Sunday school classroom or whether or not women can wear jeans to church. So, with today's message, here's Pastor Rusty. But now what we're going to find is a passage here. If some of your Bibles, sometimes they have little headings and it said, Food Offered to Idols. And you could think, man, that's really not something that we face in our culture. But the reason why it's so important to us is because we see the intersection of knowledge and love. And so what we're going to find is that this church at Corinth had a knowledge about idols, but yet they weren't taking into account love. And so this whole, this whole text is about the gray areas of church, the gray areas of life. So as you know, the Bible doesn't talk about every single do and don't when it comes to how we should act as Christians. And so they are gray areas. So, for instance, we have the Ten Commandments, which is a black and white area. Thou shall not murder. This, there's no gray area. No gray area. But let me ask you this. Can we have donuts in Sunday school? Because here's the funny thing is that the church that I came from, this was a real big thing among some. Some were saying, absolutely not. It is not right to have donuts in Sunday school. And then someone else, the other group is saying, well, what do you mean a donut? What's the problem? It's, it's a donut. Now, they, this was a gray area because you can't turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and say, should we have donuts in Sunday school? But we're going to learn a principle from 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now let me ask you this. Should women wear blue jeans to church? You think, what are you talking about? Well, the church that I came from, oddly enough, a church in California, this was a big thing. Some said, absolutely not. Women should not wear blue jeans to church. No. Dresses. You must wear a dress. And then you had the other side thinking, what is the problem? It's a blue jean. You could wear that. I listened to uh, one of my favorite pastors listened to. He was saying back in the day, I was listening to his sermon, and it was uh, done in like the 80s. And when he was growing up, the big thing was don't smoke. In California, it was don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke. They would all get together. They would get all the youth together, and they would tell them about why they shouldn't smoke. Then they would go to the beach. They'd have a big bonfire. They would have a lot of fun, and then they would gather all the kids together, and they'd say, okay, listen, now this is why you shouldn't smoke. But this is a gray area. Now you think, well, if it's bad for your body, yeah, I understand that, but you can't turn to a passage and say, you know what, does it say that I can smoke a cigar? Can I not smoke a cigar? Can I smoke a pipe? Can I not smoke a pipe? This is a gray area. It's a gray area. But the funny thing is that this pastor who's in California was talking about, they said, don't smoke. Well, when he was a young preacher, he was preaching out in the South. And guess what? Everybody smoked. Everybody smoked there. In fact, they said that a lot of the people in this one church grew tobacco 
And even the pastor had a little tobacco, some, a little tobacco plants. And he would get out, he would smoke, it'd be like, he, it, it's like he would come right here, he would take a big puff, he'd flick that cigarette, and then he'd go up and he'd preach against mixed swimming. It's a sin to swim, girls and boys, in the same area. That is a, something that we do not do here in this church. We do not have mixed bathing. And you think, what in the world? Wait, how do you solve gray areas? Because some of you could say, well, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom by not having, you know, young uh, high schoolers mix swimming. Some could say, no, it, it, listen, there's, if they're free, they're going to use common sense. It should be fine. It's a gray area. Some of you are thinking, wait, I'm a doctor. I know that smoking goes in your lungs and it's so bad for you. But then some of you are th- saying, listen, every once in a while I have a cigar. I'm on the golf course. It's not that big a deal. It's a gray area. Now, what we're going to find here is a very tricky thing because some of you, when we read about food sacrifice to idols, immediately you're thinking, absolutely not. You should not eat food that has been sacrificed to an idol. Some of you might think, wait a minute, there's actually nothing behind the idol. We know that an idol is just a carved image and there's nothing behind the idol. There's no God contaminating the food that's been sacrificed to that idol. So it's not a problem. Well, that is what is happening at the church at Corinth. Is you have one group saying, listen, we are free in Christ. And if there is a food that has been sacrificed to an idol, then we can eat that. The other group is saying, absolutely not. Now remember, in this culture... Idol worship was very prevalent. I mean, they had a God for this, a God for that, a God for this, a God for that. And so much of what was happening was around these false religions. And so they would take meat, they would sacrifice it to the idol, and then they would eat some of it as well. But first, let's set the stage of why we don't worship idols. Exodus chapter 21 through 5. This is the Ten Commandments, and we're starting just to kind of highlight. It says, and God, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth below. Or that is in the water underneath the earth, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. So the Jews were brought up. Listen, idol worship is bad, bad, bad. Remember, in the church at Corinth, we had this side, which are Jews that got saved. And you remember all the things that they grew up with, all the do's and don'ts of the law. And then you have these people that are non-Jews, would be called pagans, those that didn't worship the God of the Bible. Now, they had a lot of gods, a lot of idols. And with this idol worship, they would have these feasts, and those feasts would lead to the prostitution with the priestesses, a part of that cult. And so there's just a lot of craziness going on over here, and then a lot of these are the things we don't do over here. And so now you have them all mixed together by the blood of Jesus Christ, and they're all bringing their baggage. 
They're all bringing their baggage. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 says this. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Okay, so all things are lawful. So you wait a minute. All things? All things. Wait, all things. What does that mean? All things. But not all things are helpful. Think, okay. Okay. It says not all things build up. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 8 says this. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Okay, so we got this thing of, can I do this thing? Yeah. Does it build up? That's the question. What is love? Love is not saying it needs to be my way, but here it says it does not insist on its own way, but it's going to build someone else up. I'm, I'm building an overarching principle for how we deal with gray areas. Because here's the thing, is that we all deal with gray areas. Okay? Let me read this. This is a, one of the commentators says, kind of explain the situation. Ordinarily, the Greeks and Romans burned the less desirable portions of an animal in the course of their sacrifices and retained the choicier parts for personal consumption at banquets celebrating the sacrifices. If a sacrifice were made in connection with a, with a state function, the meat, the meat which remained was frequently sold in the marketplace. The Corinthians' questions apparently concerned the acceptability of buying and eating meat from one of these sacrificial animals. The second is the acceptability of eating this meat as an invited guest in a friend's home. And the third, the acceptability of attending one of these pagan sacrifices and enjoying the meat of the celebration which followed in the temple precincts. Okay. So, that kind of sets the stage. The question is, can we eat the meat as Christians that's been sacrificed to an idol? Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Now, concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But anyone loves. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Okay, so we've got to break down what Paul's saying. First, what does it mean to puff up? What does it mean to puff up? Have you ever seen like a very, very smart person, or maybe you are that very, very smart person? There's a tendency... Uh, to feel pretty good about yourself. You know, you, you're a very, you know, puffed up person. 
you are a very proudful person. Now, not you as in you in here, but the person that would very, very knowledgeable about something, there's a tendency that they feel pretty good about themselves. And so what Paul is saying is, listen, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. But love, love builds up. And they think, okay, well, Rusty, what is the knowledge that is puffing them up? What is it that they've learned in this church that is making them prideful? Let's continue on. Verse 4. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. So that is the issue. The issue is this, is that these Corinthians have discovered the truth that the food sacrificed to an idol is not sacrificed to anything because there's nothing that is behind that idol. Okay, So imagine this. Imagine that there is a carved image made of wood, and what they do is they take that image, and then they would bow down to that image. What Paul is saying is, you guys all know that there is nothing behind the image. So the food is not being contaminated because they've sacrificed it to an idol. Now here's what was happening, though, is that was making them prideful. That was puffing them up. Verse 5. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and from whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Okay, so let's highlight a few things here. Is that Paul is saying is, yes, we all know that an idol has no real existence. The second, there is no God but one. There's no God but one. Now what he's saying is, yes, we understand that in this culture they believe there's a lot of little g gods running around, but what Paul is saying is that you know, Corinthians, that there really is no other gods but our God. That is what they know. It's what they understand. This was puffing them up. Let me kind of, this commentator kind of sums it up in a good quote. He says this, They understood that because there is only one God, there is nothing of substance in or behind an idol. This knowledge had led them to embrace the common cultural practice of eating meat sacrificed to idols, and even eating meat in the pagan temple on occasion. So imagine that. Imagine that you are a Corinthian, and you are invited to go to a pagan sacrifice, and they sacrifice this animal. Let's say it was a Hereford cow they wanted to pick the best cow ever so they they take this cow and they butcher it and then they take the meat and then they cook it up they barbecue it there's brian doing this amazing briskets he puts it out there and then these christian corinthians line up thinking are you kidding me i cannot wait because they understand 
No, there is only one God, our God. There is nothing behind this, this uh, piece of wood that they sacrificed this to, so I'm going to eat. But here's the problem. Look in verse 7. Here's where the problem comes. However. Don't you love the howevers of Scripture? However, not all possess this knowledge. I think, wait a minute, Rusty. So what you're saying is that they knew that there was no God behind the idol. They knew that there was only one God. So this meat wasn't contaminated, but there were some that didn't have this knowledge. Goes on, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Okay, so imagine that you were one of these Corinthians that, let's say that you were saved out of pagan idol worship. So you used to go to these temples, and then you would be a part of the celebration, the sacrifice, the worship of a false god. And then you would get caught up in the orgy that would happen in that cult. And you remember that, and it's very, very damaging to you. You remember how horrible you felt, how trapped you felt, all the sin that you, that you did in that temple. And then you're seeing these Christians line up and eat the food that you know is what happens, goes on in that temple, is very, very bad. And now it's out there, and these Christians are eating it. And these people that have been saved out of that, it was really, really hard for them to take. It was really, really hard for them to take. Now, some people would say, well, listen, they just need to buck up, cowboy up. Just kind of get over it. But watch what Paul says. This is so good for us because there's so many gray areas. So many freedoms that we have in Christ. It's definitely where knowledge and love intersect. And the question is, which one is going to win? Is the knowledge going to win or is love going to win? Verse 8, food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat and no better off if we do. So Paul is just saying, hey, listen, whether you eat or not, if you eat, if you don't eat, it's the same thing. So verse 9, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, so I'm free to do things, gray area things that don't violate my conscience, but right here, now I'm supposed to take into account somebody else, what's called the weaker brother? The stronger Christian is to be motivated by love for Jesus and for those that belong to him. So here's what's going to happen. Paul's going to lay out this final little passage, and he's going to explain to us which one wins when knowledge and love intersect. Verse 10. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he be encouraged 
if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? So, the question is this. In this area where you have the freedom to do something, but what happens if your brother who doesn't feel the freedom to do this thing sees you doing it and is encouraged to go against his conscience and to do what is violating his conscience. That's the issue. That's the issue. Now, the biggest highlighted thing that could, we could all think about in what we face is drinking, is alcohol. And let me paint you a picture. Imagine this. There's nothing in Scripture that says that you can't have alcohol. Now, we obviously know that you can't get drunk with alcohol. We understand that. That is sin. But if you are over there at an Italian restaurant in Jeff having a glass of wine with your big steak and, you know, you had some spaghetti and just you just really want to have that glass of wine. And let's just say someone else from the church who has a really, really hard uh, background with alcohol. Their mom was an alcoholic. Their dad was an alcoholic. Their uncle was an alcoholic. And they, for a short time in college, struggled with being an alcoholic. So for them, they cannot do that. They put up something in their, in their, in their uh, mind that says, this is something that I shall not do. Now, the Bible did not tell them they can't do that. But they know for them, they can't do that. It's just they cannot do it. And so there you are uh, celebrating your freedom in Christ. And, and you, are, you are having this meal with your wife. You're there. And then this person walks into the restaurant and they see you, who they highly respect as a stronger Christian. And they see you drinking a glass of alcohol, a glass of wine. In their mind, they start thinking, well, I really respect that guy. And it's probably not, not that bad of a thing. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and do it. And their conscience is saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. There's something inside of them is saying, don't do it. But what they do is they see you and they overpower their conscience. They sit down and they say, I'll have a glass of wine. They violate their conscience. And then who knows what that draws them into? Because maybe it has a huge grip on their life, but it doesn't have a grip on your life, on this person's life. And so what Paul is saying is, listen, you have the freedom to do things that are the gray areas of life. You have that freedom. But you also have to be thinking about the weaker brother, the weaker brother. Now, here's the thing is that the one that would not eat the food sacrificed to idols is the weaker brother. The one who understands that the idol, there's nothing behind the idol that I could eat this food is the stronger brother. Let's go on and see what Paul says. Verse 11. And so, by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. Now, that doesn't mean they've lost their salvation. Probably means that they die. The brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak. You sin against Christ. 
Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Okay, so we want to highlight that section there. If food makes my brother stumble, I will do whatever I want. That's not what the text says. If food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat. Now, here's the thing. Is yes, I said that the stronger Christian in this scenario is the one that would eat the meat. Because he understands that there's nothing behind the meat. The weaker brother says, listen, I cannot do that because of it was sacrificed to an idol. I can't do that. But guess who the responsibility is to take care of the weaker brother? It's not the weaker brother's responsibility to just, you know what? Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get over it, eat the meat. It's not what the text says. The text says that the stronger brother is to bear the burden of the weaker brother. And so Paul is saying this, I would rather never eat meat than to cause my brother to sin. Now here's the thing. Here's how we take this away. All the gray areas that are in your life, the beautiful thing about not having a list of do's and don'ts is that when you have a list of I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this, then that becomes the spiritual a checklist to make sure that you are a good Christian. So if we don't this, if we don't this, you know, what's the one? I don't drink, I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do. You guys ever heard that? You know, if that's our list, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. I read one commentator and they said, you know what? There's a ton of people who don't do any of those things. And then he said, they're at the cemetery. They don't do any of those things. But it doesn't mean that they're alive. And so we can't let our Christianity be like, hey, listen, guess what? Hey, Drew, did you know I don't do this and I don't do this? And man, I'm sure glad I'm not like this person. These are all things that I don't do. So that makes me a good Christian. The Bible doesn't do that. The Bible says this, hey, man, you are free in Christ. Now you can start saying, well, wait, wait a minute, Rusty. Well, the Bible says we need to obey the laws of the land. So you've got to understand, there's context there, but we're free in Christ. The Bible says this, that a true Christian is not going to continue in sin, continue perfecting sin. We talked about that. If saved, always saved. So you start thinking, so wait a minute, I'm free to do things, free to do gray areas, as long as I'm not violating my conscience. Yes, but if it causes the weaker brother to stumble, what Paul is saying is I would rather not do that for the sake of the weaker brother. Now, there's probably questions flying through your mind. Wait, what about this and this and this and this and this? The beautiful thing is, is that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You know, the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you, guiding you on what to do and what not to do. How to deal with every situation. The reason why we should not elevate this position too high of pastor is because, listen, I am used by God to serve you, teach you the word, but understand that the Holy Spirit is in you your life 
And when you go through gray areas, that's time for you to get alone with the Lord, close the door of your closet, get down before the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me do in this situation? Because you might come to me and say, well, Rusty, should we do this? Well, I might not be dealing with what the thing is that you're going through or what the thing is you're trying to decide off of another person in your life. I don't know the context, but guess what? God knows the context. God knows the context. And he wants you to come to him and pray through decisions. Because here's the thing. The Christian life is not all about me getting my way, me getting all of my needs met. It's not what the Christian life is about. The Christian life is about preferring your brother, esteeming your brother higher than yourself, and it's about telling people about Christ. And so if you think, you know what, this gray area, it actually does help me love my brother, and it does help me tell other people about Christ. And you get alone with the Lord, and the Lord's like, yes, that for you is a good thing. Then go that direction. But if you start to analyze it and you say, you know what, actually, it doesn't really make my witness for the Lord that good. I mean, it's not wrong in and of itself, but it's really not a really good witness. Maybe I, maybe I better not do it. You know, I think about pastors. A lot of, you know, there's this thing about pastors. And, you know, it would not be very smart if one of you came to me and said, hey, <clears throat> Rusty, man, we have been really thinking about uh, getting you a brand new Land Rover. And we understand it's $158,000, but listen, we, we've got the money and we want you to have that. And I didn't buy it, but it probably wouldn't be the smartest thing for me to drive a $158,000 Land Rover. And then every time someone sees me, they think, what the world is going on? It wouldn't be wrong. It wouldn't be a sin. I didn't take out a big loan. But would it be the wisest of things for me to do? Would it help further my witness? Now, if I was a health and wellness preacher, oh, yeah, I'd be like, man, come to Jesus, get a Land Rover. But it's, it's not the greatest witness. Some people think, man, what are they doing with the church's money? Why does he get that? Why did he buy that? I couldn't imagine. That's like a $2,000 a month payment on that car. Like, why did, it doesn't make any sense. So I would pray through that situation. The Lord's saying, ah, probably not. Just want to warn you, if you guys have already bought that, <laughs> just take it back. Take it back. So we have to pray through things. But as we wrap this up, my thing is this. Is that, listen, guys, we have freedom. And you think, well, wait a minute, Rusty, I grew up in the church, and I, listen, challenge what you've been taught if it goes against Scripture. If there's a bunch of do's and don'ts of order to obtain spiritual maturity in Christ, man, maybe some of them are great, but you have to understand, maybe they are for you. They're for you. But maybe they're not for the next guy. But for the stronger believer... You have to understand this. Just because you can do something, it doesn't mean that you should. It doesn't mean that you should. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have. 
because we've been set free. Thank you for all the things that we can do. Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. To make decisions that please you on the things that we say yes to and the things that we say no to. Lord, let us not be a group of people that are very pharisaical, that look down, and we have all this list of things that we don't do. Lord, let us be a people that say, even though I can do that, I'm not going to do it for the building up of the younger, weaker Christian. But Lord, I pray that the weaker Christians wouldn't stay weaker. Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would bring them along, that you would mature them, that you would show them that there is nothing behind the idol. Lord, let us be a people that they describe who we are for all the things that we do, all the things that we do. Lord, we love the weak. We love the poor. We want to serve them. We want to serve you. We want to help each other. We want to praise you. Lord, let us be defined by all the things that we do. Lord, I pray if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would save them. Lord, that something would happen, that they would feel drawn to you, that they would want to give their life to you, that they would believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross for their sins, and that you rose again on the third day, and that if they would just ask you to forgive them, Lord, that you would forgive them. Convince them of that, Father. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, if you'll stand with me, just a time of reflection. Well, that's all we have for our podcast today. If you would like more information about Russellville Baptist Church and our ministries, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.russellvillebaptistchurch.com or you can find us on social media at Facebook and Instagram under Russellville Baptist Church. Well, join us next time as Pastor Rusty continues his series in the book of 1 Corinthians. But until then, have a great week and God bless.